What is first in your life? What is your life? Now this is Friday, October 27th, and those are big questions, but also ones at the heart of our time together today. We have been looking at the gospel and money, and how the gospel changes our orientation, and why our perspective of money remains so critical to our lives. To work through this, we need to talk a bit about more about idols, what they are, why they have them, and how we can lay them aside and give our hearts to God alone. Now, just using the word idol evokes thoughts of statues made of marble or wood in ancient peoples, but actually scripture teaches that whatever we give our hearts to, whatever most commands our attention and focus can become an idol in our lives. Our idols can be difficult to spot because they're almost good, almost always good things. But that thing that can become an idol because of the good thing we've turned into an ultimate thing. We come to look at it to it for a sense of meaning or protection or well-being or our identity. We can make an idol of a person or a job, an investment portfolio, a relationship or our kids. You get the idea. The problem is that we naturally gravitate to serve gravitate to serving and living for our idols. Yet at the same time, we have difficult spotting our idols or seeing the place we have given things in our hearts. They become sacred, protected, treasured, really. And this is why Jesus, in his Sermon on the Mount, talks about treasuring and the way our hearts treasure things. Here's our text for today. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, Jesus is speaking here of how we can make an idol of our money. As we looked at yesterday, money is a rival deity to the one and true and living God, the Lord. Today we consider how we hallow money or make it sacred, and then how we can put it in its place. We hear that we treat money as sacred, and it may be sound unbelievable to us. We don't treat it that way. That's what we think. But let's think about this a little more. Have you ever seen someone tear a $100 bill, or better, to burn it up with a match? Mouths drop open to see this. It seems like a form of blasphemy or perhaps some kind of outrage. You just don't do that. This hits us more deeply than seeing someone burn an American flag. So what is going on? We have moved money into the realm beyond what is common. It has a special status. It has been hallowed, made holy, made sacred. If you do not believe we've done this, ask a friend or maybe family member how much money they make or how much money they have stashed away in savings or in their retirement plan. And there will be silence. You will discover that you have ventured onto holy ground, to a place where people, well, they don't feel comfortable talking. You see, this is what we do with sacred things. They're off limits. This is what we have done with money. We become so deeply attached, and we've deeply attached our sense of security to it, and our status and well-being we've connected to it. It can easily become a controlling idol, directing our emotions. 
Remember actor George Hamilton? He explained how this works. Once during the filming of a movie, he had the role of someone full of power and influence. He said, the producer came to me and said, if you want to look like a million bucks tonight, put $5,000 in your pocket right before you go out to do the scene. Well, I put the money in my pocket and suddenly there was a different me than there was before. Isn't that interesting? This is because of what we have attached to money. Now, as I listen to this story from this actor, George Hamilton, I think, well, maybe $5,000 wouldn't do the trick today. Maybe we'd need two or three times or 10 times that amount. So you might ask, what are we to do to cure this? In the way we live, we need to put lesser things in the service of that which is greater in our lives. For example, my wife and children are far more important to me than my money. So I would willingly use my money to protect their health. You get the idea. So if God is in the picture, how can I then put my money in its place and show that he is first? Well, I can freely use it to serve God and to honor him. By the way, we do this when we take care of our families. You know that, right? It's one way we serve God. But I think we need to show money what we think of it. We do this by making it serve those things that are far more important to us. You see, what I think Jesus is trying to teach us is that money is not a neutral power. It must be brought under the lordship of Christ or it will exert its power and control over us. It will want to be our major concern. It will want to control our thought life. It will want to motivate us and determine how we live. And it will ultimately seek to rule in our lives if we don't put it in its place. Maybe you have had that feeling when you were driving a new car or using a new computer or wearing a new outfit. Money and possessions create that, this sense of security and power and importance. These are feelings we like to have. Recent Pew Research study survey said that 18 to 25-year-olds, 81% responded that being rich was either their number one or number two life goal. Yes, they don't first want to be teachers or carpenters or lawyers or doctors. They want to have money and lots of it. So to keep money from ruling our lives, we must constantly assert our power over it and lay it at the feet of Jesus to show money that Jesus is our Lord and our King. Let's pray together. God, you provide all things to us. Help us not to mistake the gift as the giver. Give us a single-minded focus on you and your glory. Teach us how to put money in its place, to put it in the service of you and your kingdom. For we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.